Hey, welcome back to Bobblehead Podcast. Glad you guys are here again. Um, again, this is part two of the continuation of what have we learned over the last five years, 10 years. Um, Tim and I started a really good conversation. We're glad you guys are here and uh, let's keep going. It's kind of like, it's kind of like you get a big deal. Like you're, you're working towards a big yeah. close, a big sale and you finally get it. And for that five minutes is high fiving. It's awesome. Yeah. And then it doesn't take five or 10 minutes before you go back to your office and go, man, we got to do this again. Or I got to go something bigger. And so you worked months and months and months. You have five to 10 minutes of thrill, happiness, celebrate, you know, celebration before it realizes that, man, we got to go do this again. I can't go backwards. I have to move forwards. And so you begin to work even harder. Yeah. And so and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, you just, as long as you realize what it is, right? Realize that the thing you're working on tomorrow, that right now, that when you achieve it, it's not the end all be all, right? It, and the thing is, what you look back on life, this is for me, is the end all be all is looking back and seeing the people you did that with or yes. the journey that got you there, right? Mm -hmm. It was the things that you learned during that process to get that deal closed wasn't the close of the deal. You, know, you look back and go, man, what is the things that I took away that I learned either about the people around me or about myself or the skills I learned to get there that I can move with me to the next deal. That's the takeaway, right? It's not the thing itself. It's the journey to get there. Yeah. And, and that's about life too, whether that's, you know, marriage or kids or friends or whatever else. It's, it's all the things that, that, that you go through that get you there, that, that you look back on that make you happy. It's not, it's not the things you achieve, right? And we're taught our whole life is when you achieve those things is what makes you happy. And and not that those things are important, but it's not the happiness part, right? Yeah, I, I, I love that. And I love the saying that no matter what, we all sleep alone. Yeah. No matter how many cars we have or yeah. how many friends we have or how much money we have, we all lay in bed at night and we all sleep alone, Yeah. right? And how you live your life to get to those that level of achievement is what will haunt you when you're laying in your bed at night yeah. alone in yeah. your thoughts. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it, it's, it's about calibrating the journey to measuring success mm -hmm. and measuring happiness, yeah. right. And figuring out what that means. And, and I don't have it figured out yet, but man, like it, it, it's the one thing that I figured out more about myself than anything else yeah. in the last 10 years. And, and I think you've seen that probably yeah. You know, like show itself yeah. in the last three to four years. It's, it's the biggest thing that I've learned. It is. I've seen it. And it's a, and you can almost see it in the way you act or react to things right? mm -hmm. is your countenance is the way I like to say it um, has changed dramatically is um, you're not, your drive is different than it was. Yeah. Right. Um, the things that you, that are important and that you value more are different. Um, and, and, and part of that's just growing up. Part of that's just maturing, right? Part of that is, is the wisdom part of life. Um, but it's, it's interesting to see people go through it. And we, we see people go through it. We, we see our kids go through it, mm -hmm. right? The things that they thought would make them happy don't necessarily make them happy. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we were able to take the kids years and years ago to South Africa and we did mission trips down there. And one of the things that was cool was um, we went to a little community called Murchison. And uh, Murchison has, I think, 95% of the people there have AIDS. Wow. And uh, it's the highest percentage of AIDS patients, I think, in the whole world. And I, I won't, it's, it's really, it's sad how they get there, and I won't go through it on the pod because you can look it up yourself. But 
anyway, it's interesting because the kids all have AIDS and the families don't have anything. The kids wake up every day and they're, they have to, in order for their family to survive, they have to create water. They have to do all these things. And once they get those done, they can go play. And so you think about these kids literally live in like cardboard or, you know, parchment board houses and have like, they literally have nothing and maybe not eat that day. But once they get their chores done, they go play. And so we would go down there. We go play with the kids at their schools or, or wherever, you know, wherever they were happiest kids in the world. And our kids would look at them like, what are they, how in the world are they happy? They have nothing. Like they literally have nothing except for the clothes in their back and they have no hope for tomorrow. Like they, they have a deadly disease that if they don't take medicine for it, which a lot of them don't, they're going to die early in life. And man, the, what, you know, what a terrible life, but yet they wake up and the most joyful kids you'll ever meet. And so you ask them, why are you so happy? I got my chores done. I get to go play. I get to go hang out. I get, so they wake up every day and live for that day. And we miss on that. You know, we, we don't appreciate that because we're thinking about a week from now. Yeah. We're thinking about two weeks from now. We're planning a year from now because we think a year from now, if we do all these things, we're going to be happy then. And then we hit that and we think, well, two years from now, if I do this, we'll be happy then. It's like the guy that um, works in the factory or works in a job, corporate job or whatever his whole life from the time he's 21 years old and he finally retires at 65 and they give him the gold watch. And all he can think about is going and playing golf every day. Six months later, he dies, you know, on the golf course because he's worked his tail off and he, and he finally hits that and he has no life to live. And so he has no meaning, yeah. no purpose in life anymore. And he dies because he just has nothing to live for anymore. And how sad is that, that you look forward to something your whole life and you finally get there and it ends. Yeah. And, and you know, it's the trappings I think of, of a lot of, we always want better for our kids. Yeah. Right. And so we're always striving to provide better, but there's, there's a downfall for that. Right. And, and I draw a parallel to the kids we would see in Iraq and Afghanistan and you'd see these kids and never in their life have they ever had a pair of shoes. They've never had anything more than rocks to stack, you know, the loser of the Super Bowl's t-shirts to wear <laughs> right. and, and, and that's it. Right. Right. And we come along in Western society. We're like, man, these kids need shoes. Yeah. So we give them a pair of shoes. Yeah. Well, now we've just taught that kid what it's like to have a pair of shoes and he's, he's not going to, that's not the rest of his life. Yeah. So we've just negatively altered his perception and his life because we needed to give him the, we need to give him our way. We need to give him our means. Right. That's not sustainable. Right. So now he, he lived his whole life without shoes. Right. Then he put on a pair of shoes and he was like, well, this is amazing. And then in three months, three weeks, whenever, when those shoes are gone, he's you're not getting another pair of shoes. Yeah. He's sad. Yeah. And so, so now you knew what it was like to have. Yeah. And now you go back to not having. Wow. Yeah. That's heavy, man. Yeah. And, and those, you, you same with those kids. They, they were never bored. Yeah. Like they had rocks to stack or rocks yeah. to throw. And that was it. And I'll tell you what, don't get in a snowball fight with, with an Afghan kid. Oh, really? Pretty he good? will whip your ass. Yeah, he'll hit you with a <laughs> snowball from 50 yards, like on your forehead. Because yeah. they, they, they just live the, the simplest, most utilitarian yeah. like, lifestyles. Yeah, so interesting. Well, you know, I was thinking about, you know, what, what I've learned over the last five, 10, and you know, what, what's my one or two things. And I, th I think one of my top ones would be is um, learning not to react. Uh, 
you know, I, there's, there's my whole, my whole life I've taught that you got to move quick. You got to, you know, when something happens, you have to move quick and, and don't get me wrong. There's times you do, but for the most part, I can't think of a time that if I would have just waited a day and thought through it and just really got my head around it, not worried about it, but just really think through what are the possibilities that I wouldn't have had 24 hours to really make a good decision. And so many times I've made a decision within three minutes. because I feel like I have to react, have to move quick that it didn't really always turn out that great. Um, and so thinking logically about it and not, and, and you're going to stress about it. That's just part of who we are as humans, but to really think through the pluses, the minuses, and you know me, I, I think through of all the possibilities, right? If I go this direction, what could happen? If I go this direction, what could happen? Um, but to, just to be able to think through those things and think about if there's five scenarios that take place, what I would do and plan for each one of those and be able to make a decision off of that and be okay with it, then at least I've gotten through that. At least I can now plan on what's next, what happens then, right? And so, you know, for me, whether that's family or work or friends or life or whatever, just take a minute to stop and think, okay, what's the best plan of action? And you're pretty good at this, right? You're, this is, you naturally do this. I don't naturally do this. This is something I'm, I'm a quick react, right? And so um, I think what I've learned is not to do that quite so much or to be able to at least talk to someone else about it. And I've, I've probably only learned that in the last five years. And you've helped me with that, right? Knowing, and part of it is knowing what my strengths are and knowing my weaknesses are, knowing my Colby's and knowing that I'm a, I'm a risk taker. And being able to have people like you that I can go, hey, I've got an idea, or this happened, and what do you think about this? Or, you know, give me some feedback. It doesn't mean I won't, it doesn't mean it'll change the way I do it or change my reaction to it, but at least I'll get another, <coughs> I'll, I'll get another uh, opinion on, on what could, what's possible, right? Yeah. Well, there's, and, and there's, there's so much pride in the ability to react quickly. It's, That's it's true. the entrepreneurial, the stereotypical entrepreneurial mindset, right? Right. I need to figure this situation out right now because my livelihood hinges on it. Other people are looking at me yeah. to make this decision now in the moment, yeah. the passionate convicted leader, right. put your foot up on the desk and say, here's what we're going to do. Go charge and get them. Making sure I tell everybody that I have all the answers when the reality is I don't. Right. And, right. and to let everybody know I'm the boss. I'm right. the man. Look at me. Right. I'm the guy. Right. And I get it. Sure. Because again, like somebody has to make the decision. Right. So we think the quicker we make it, the quicker we're going to make that money. Right. 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 But uh, I mean, the past is littered. I mean, access is littered with decisions over last five years, 10 years, 15, 20 years of, yeah. of if we only would have waited, yeah. if we only would have paused, but just pause, not necessarily waited, just paused. one day. Right. And, and, and thought Think it through, through, right. Whiteboard it out. Right. And make the decision and go. Yeah. But got to make that decision, man. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what was there one specific event that triggered it or was this something you just, just rounded off the edges over time? I think it was more of a rounded off the edges over time. Um, you know, th there was never, you know me, I, there's never a quick decision I've ever made that I regret. Right. Cause I, that's who I am. Right. I don't see, I don't see when I make a decision, if that failed, I don't see it as a failure. You know me, that's just who I am. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, am able to see 
once I've made the decision of what took place, hmm, wow, there was maybe a better outcome. I did learn from that, right? Even though I didn't wait, I, I did learn from it. Doesn't mean I would necessarily change the way I did it, but I would learn from it. Um, and so uh, that taught me over time. Um, seeing other people do that over time, seeing other people make slower decisions or at least think through things um, has helped me. You know, like I said, knowing you and working with you has helped me. Um, you know, it's been interesting, you know, when we work with Cody on a weekly basis, Cody and I think a lot alike and we're quick, you know, we're very quick to react. And he and I would make quick decisions. Like yep. we would get on a call in an hour and make five decisions really quick and just go with it. And, you know, bringing you into the mix or bringing other people in the mix would change that a little bit. They would go, you know, let me think about that for a while. And it would frustrate us. But sometimes at 24 hours later, we might only keep three of the five of those decisions. Well, and, and a lot of, and again, I saw this for six years, basically. Mm -hmm. You trusted Cody's opinion. Yeah. Cody had your trust. And, and you two would get together and create like this Voltron of like decision making and just like... <laughs> All yeah. the decisions in a short period of time sure. go. Right. Because you trusted Cody. Cody trusted you. And right. that's what you guys had to do. Right. Um, and we thought a lot alike. And that that was, <coughs> that was both good and bad. Sure. Right. There wasn't a lot of trust in the beginning. Yeah. With the leaders that didn't think like y'all. Right. So you would double down on your decision because you trusted Cody. Cody thought like you. The right. decision had to be made and you would go. Right. It took time. It took a, at least a year with me to build up the trust and rapport with you for you to be okay with a tactical pause. Right. And a little whiteboard session to make sure that we were making yeah. the most accurate decisions. So I saw over time for you, the more you trusted the people that were at the table with you, mm -hmm. the more likely you were to be okay with slowing down on a decision. And I, and I agree with you to a point. Okay. Is over time, you, you proved to me that you had my best interest at heart there were people around me at times that wanted me to pause that didn't always have my best interest at heart. Agreed. And so that's what made me double down is, you know, the more you tell me no, the more I'm going to say yes, because the times I have said no and believed you and trusted you, it's led towards disaster. Yeah. Right. Um, and so I have to go with success. And so when the only way that I was able to trust you is you led us down the path of success when we did pause or you had a different idea or you had a, you had a twist on the idea we had. Right. And that proved out to be successful. That's what led me to be okay with the pause. Yeah. So does that make sense? Yeah. And it's interesting because what I remember more from the early days of access was not, I do remember the quick decisions. I remember the quick reactions to decisions that would be made that you knew weren't sound decisions mm -hmm. by certain people on the team. Right. You would, you would just be like, and, and you got better at getting them to round off their decision-making and, and by asking questions rather than being directive about right. a thing. You're right. You're right. Yeah. No, you're right. Yeah. That's a good. That's a good point. Yeah. And, and that's, that, that's what I remember more. Because you, you and Cody would get, but the the rapport was built quickly. Where I could be like, "Hey guys, let's slow the hell down a little bit. Let's right. let's think through this." Right. But it was the reaction to an action right. that that took a while to, yeah. to slow down. Yeah, I, I remember this is this is probably another discussion for another day. But man, I remember you had not been with us long, and uh, we were at that very first office space in 
1700 Pacific. Mm-hmm. And um, it was the, the, I won't say his name, but the gentleman that was in charge of uh, implementation, right? And, and I, it, was, it was about a three or four week process of me telling you what I thought and you saying, let me just listen to that end. And it was, and then you, and I remember you came back with me, what you came back to me initially with was something that I disagreed with. I don't know if you remember that. Uh-huh. And I'm like, I totally disagree with that. I think, I think you're off base. I think you don't really understand the full picture and you need to go back and think about this. Right. And you did. Mm-hmm. And after another week or week or two, you're like, okay, I understand where you're at now. I understand why you said what you did. And so I think because you, it, it wasn't because you finally came around to what I had told you but it was that you took the time to go through it, but didn't double down. And you came back and said, I get it now. Yeah. I better understand. And this is something that we have to fix. Right. And I, and it's something I've been saying for years. And so for, when you said that, I'm like, okay, now I can trust you because you understand and get me. You're seeing things, seeing things through my lens and you get it. And so I think that's when I started saying, okay, now that you understand me, now I feel like I can trust your trust you in saying pause, right? Yeah. But you know, I don't know if even before if that wouldn't have happened, I don't know how long it would have taken before I was 100% trusting, right? Right. But it took that really for me. That was the turning point for me, and you probably remember that very well. I do. Yeah, I, me- I actually remember that very well. It was the 82 PowerPoint slides or whatever yes. the number was. Yeah, I do remember that, and I remember being like that. This this can literally never get put in front of Tim Elliott ever. Uh, yeah. 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 God, those were interesting days, man. Weren't they though? You think yeah. about when you think about those days and stop and think about where we were then and where we finished up. I mean, that was night and day, man. I mean, that was, that was massive different. That was the difference. I was telling someone today, in fact, um, about one thirty today, I was telling them the difference of five years ago and today. And I was like, you know, the, the change in the culture of the company and the change in why we did things and the change in the personnel in five years was massive. Oh, I mean, massive. We rolled over 80% of the company. We did. Every bit of it. We did. Um, but it had to happen. Yeah. And, and, and a lot of it happened quick. And, and, and this is the, the second part of, I think, what we're going to talk about. And we'll probably just end up splitting this into two. Yeah. Um, it's, it's how to, and this is on purely on the business side, how to play the long game. Yeah, big time. How to see a chessboard and not a checkerboard. And how to understand that there, there sometimes there are there are interim or intermediate steps that have to be taken that are bitter pills to swallow. Yeah. In order to win at the long game, and that situation that you're talking about was part of that. Yeah. Like sometimes you may want to so badly move away from a particular individual, yeah. but that individual has utility for a while until you can get bench strength in place until yeah. you get a replacement in place right. until you can get the customer base stabilized. There's, there's decisions that you ultimately have to make that you don't love, but it's for the long-term benefit. And, and that's why I say always, Hey, if you're, if you run a business, get a good operational guy or girl, yeah. because that's what they see things operationally where as an entrepreneur, I see things as I have a, I have a snake and I've got to cut the head off. Yeah. And, and we make quick decisions because we feel like there's, there's a rat in the barn. Uh-huh. And you're like, I, I know there's a rat in the barn, but we have to figure out 
how to solve this before we cut the head off the rat. Yeah. And, and mind you, for me, we talk about scalpels and sledgehammers, you know, we've joked about that a lot, but on the military side, like if I had a problem, I got rid of the problem. Right. You know, I, I didn't have to take a whole lot of interim steps mm-hmm. to get it done right. and transitioning that to the business world. And because every personnel decision that you make is expensive, it has direct impact to the bottom line does, and the top yeah. line. Right? right. So doing, making those decisions at a cadence and at a tempo that allow you to not destabilize the customer base, to not destabilize revenue, to not destabilize profitability is a difficult thing to learn. Yeah. But learning to evolve the way that you think and not just the decisions that you make, but when you make those decisions right. was probably number two for me in terms of the business world for what I've learned. You know, and, and it's funny, you, you talk about that. It makes me think about my mindset during that time is I, you know, if I knew there was a problem, is my the way I operated was just get rid of the problem, right? And whatever happens, happens because we have to get rid of the problem. You saw it as okay, let's take steps through getting rid, let's take steps, measured steps to get rid of the problem, but let's do it in a way that doesn't affect the customer base, the bottom yeah. line, the, whatever it is, right? And so, and for me, as long as I knew that we were in agreement that we have to make this change. I was okay as long as I put in your hands the, to put the plan together to make the change. Yeah. If it took two months or three months or six months or eight months, whatever it was, I was okay with it as long as we were in the same agreement that this has to happen. Yeah. And so I'm not good at how what happens in the, between the decision and when it happens. I'm not good at that because I'm a chop it guy, right? Whether that's good or bad, I chop good, chop bad. Let's just get it done. You're a, how are we going to make the, how are we going to make this work for us? both good and bad. How, what, what's going to be, how can we make the most of the situation, but limit the liabilities? Yeah. Right. And so is I'm, and I was okay with that as long as I knew there was an end game. Mm-hmm. And so for me to be able to trust you to say, as long as we're in agreement that there's an end to this, then man, whatever plan you want to put in place, make it happen. And I would put a check and balance in play by, by budgets. I would only budget this person out until a certain period of time. Yeah, you did. I remember that. And then that, that budget money would get reallocated towards another engineer or right. another piece of software, you yeah. know, some infrastructure that we needed to put in place. And so for me, I knew how many customers we had to implement. I knew the timeline. I knew right. the budget. So, and I knew I didn't want to go over the budget. So it held me accountable to that number. Yeah. Because again, like you, you always want to, the human side is inevitable. You, you can't take the human side element out of it, but it, it held me accountable to the things that I said, right? And yeah. it, it wasn't, if we made a decision, we would, sometimes we would waver from that decision. We we would take every step we could in, sure. to not get to the point of where we're having to let somebody go. But it certainly did help having a backstop in place. But you know, I can't think of a time when you and I both came to agreement that this has to happen. And it, yeah. that it didn't happen. Yeah. It always happened. Yeah. Sometimes it happened earlier, sometimes a little bit late, but you know, it always happened. Yeah. Which goes back to that allowed me to trust that that happening allowed me to trust you, and that we came to agreement. You didn't. You, I didn't waver from it. You didn't waver from it, and we made it happen, in the way that made sense. You know, you're wrong. There was one person. Oh, you're right. There was. Yeah. You're right. There was. And, and you know what? I'm, I'm okay. Name, I'm okay with saying his name because he's a stud now, uh-huh. right? And so, uh, in fact, I, I'm I'm gonna I'm miss, I, I've texted him about a week ago. Did you really? And just told him I I just said I don't want to know how you know. Business-wise, I don't ask, but like, man, I hope your family's good. I hope you're good. And he kind of told me some stuff, but you know, overall he's good. Yeah. And so, 
and that was Chris Vickery. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we had both said where Chris was, I think we'd said, man, we, by February something, we, he's got to go. Yeah. It was, it was a bad situation. His attitude was bad. And, uh, you know, we all agreed on it. And then something turned. And, and I'm going to give him credit for this is that, you know, you had some talks with him, but it was, it was, it was him. And I think it was a book you said he'd read and him just really thinking about it that really turned his attitude and, and the way he saw things. Um, it turned his mindset around and literally changed who he was professionally. Right. And, uh, man, I, I, that was the one thing me and you were both wrong about. Yeah. I know I was big time wrong about it, but, uh, you know, he stayed with the company and he went on once we sold, he's, he's killing it, killing it over yeah. there. It, it, yeah. And I'm excited for him. Um, but man, I, I, I give him hundred percent credit for that because, uh, if he would have stayed on the path he was going, that he wouldn't, he wouldn't have stayed with the company. Yeah. And, and the thing about Vic is Vic has always been just a salt of the earth, genuinely good, a human good being. man. A you good know, man. He, he was just, he was raised in the company. And so he was raised to think a certain way. Yeah. I mean, he'd literally been with access since access was, was born, was born. Yeah. Um, and once he was able to get a different perspective yeah. and see what that perspective brought in terms of success, yeah. He's the one that made the choice to 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 evolve. He is, and he evolved in a way that just—I mean—he crushed it. He crushed and he's it. crushing it to this day. Yeah. So yeah, we were dead wrong about that. A dead wrong. And I think I think one of the things he, that he learned was is for him. It was, partially was himself, and only he can tell you what that was. But I think he learned the word mission was new for him. Like yeah. when he when you talked to him, and he really understood what our true mission was, and and he saw where we were trying to go. And he saw the part he can play in doing that as a leader. I think that's that that idea behind getting getting behind a mission changed everything for him. Yeah, because when he did, I mean, it, it changed our company. Dude, it he really changed everything about who we were. Yeah, he went from on the chopping block to a VP. Yeah, it in, did. Like in less than two years. Less than two years. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's pretty cool. And, and I give him credit, you know, for that because it, it only he could have made that change. So. Yeah. I'm, I'm proud that I'm, of all the people that in 23 years, man, I'm, I, I gotta say, I'm probably as top two or three guys I'm most proud of that have ever worked for access. You know, think about where he came from mm-hmm. to where he, where he got. And then that next step of when he became a VP of changing his mindset, changing the way he thought, changing his thought about mission and how he saw his job and saw he, how he saw his value. Man, it was that, that six months change for him was probably bigger than the previous 21 years. Yeah. It was incredible. Well, and, and, and it couldn't have happened to a better dude because yeah. like as a man, Chris Vickery is literally one of the best people yeah. that you could ever hope to be around. I agree. Truly. I yeah. totally agree. And, and uh, you know, the way he sees his family and the way he sees his kids and, you know, I, I'm known to Chris forever and, you know, his brother that passed and the way he handled that, just quality guy. Yeah. And, and, and to know that he stuck with it, he stuck with us and we stuck with him makes me proud. Yeah pretty cool so that you know it's one of the that i'm glad you mentioned chris because yeah. that's one of the big takeaways of you know the guy the guy that kind of broke the rules mm-hmm. so it's cool there's always one there's always yeah. one i don't know if there's any <laughs> others but there was one right um well cool man i've, I've enjoyed the conversation uh you know I, I look forward to sitting down with you in 10 years and thinking okay what was the last 10 years yeah and what okay. what's the two big and there's gonna be bigger things probably right so i know you've got you know man between family and work and a lot of stuff you have going um you're, you're going, you're, you're in a lot of stuff and, uh, I'm proud of, I'm proud of seeing how you're handling it. I'm proud of how you're dealing with your family and 
loving on your family and, you know, and talking to you and, and you and I talk between text and everything else. And the things that you're finding important have changed over the last three years. And it's kind of like you mentioned happiness, but man, it's really cool to see. And I couldn't be more proud of you. Well, and I give a lot of credit to you guys for that. And and I know that you'll, you'll shrug that off, but again, growing up with, without a mentor and not really having that like father, like I turned to you for a lot of that stuff and, and you've provided me some very strong feedback that I needed to hear and, and having somebody in your life that's going to tell you the things that you need to hear, not that you want to hear to double down on the dumbass decisions that you may be making is invaluable. And you've been that to me. And so I cherish that deeply and I look forward to the next 10 year conversation when we have it. And, uh, you know, I'll continue to lean on you and as, as I grow through the next phase of life. Um, appreciate that. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. And thanks for when I said those things, not kicking my ass, but give me a hug afterwards. Cause you could have, <laughs> you could have easily done that. So yeah. I was talking to a, a kid today who, who just met you not long ago. He's like, man, Devin's a big dude. Like, I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, he could kick my ass. And I'm like, yeah, a lot of people see that. It's that's, that's I who he is, but he's, Teddy, he's a gentle giant. Teddy bear. Teddy bear. Teddy bear. Reminds me of, I, I can't wait to see that. Um, you see that movie, Ted, remember Ted? Yeah. With the bear? That was a great flip. It really was. It was, um, it, it's a great way to be able to be, uh, completely, especially in this culture we live in today, to be able to say anything you want to, any way you want to, but because you're a teddy bear, there's no, there's no feedback. Bounces off. Yeah. It just bounce. I mean, what are you going to do? You're going to cancel a teddy bear. Yeah. It's brilliant. It. Yeah. It's, it's not even brilliant. Real. It's not yeah. real. It's good stuff, man. All right, man. I enjoyed today. Till next time. See you.